Amen. Thank you, choir. Well, God is good all the time. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and this morning we want to consider and talk about a transforming benediction. Now, this morning when I talk, uh, even mention this word benediction, I'm sure that some of you are already thinking like that little boy that uh, told his buddy who was sitting next to him at church. He said, oh, my favorite part of the, of the service is the benediction, because that means the end. And uh, yet, that's not what that word means. Benediction really is what happens here every Sunday when Pastor Duane raises his hand at the end of the service and he blesses you. He gives you a blessing. If you remember what he blessed us with last week, he blessed us with peace. And if you did more than just hear the words that he said, and if you actually said, God, I accept this blessing, then I would tell you that most of you had a very peaceful week. Now, if you had it anyways, because God just so good. But I'll tell you, every Sunday when he blesses you, it is important that you appropriate that blessing, that you actually receive it in your heart and in your mind. Now, there's another kind of blessing because, you see, God blesses us. Sometimes we'll bless each other. But then there's a time to bless God. And that is exactly what happens here in this particular text in Ephesians chapter 3. After talking about God in exquisite language and describing his amazing acts of grace toward us human beings, whose inclination, unfortunately, and so often are only evil, and we do not deserve the kindness of God, but even so, Paul cannot contain himself after explaining and talking about this incredible God that we have, he just explodes with this great benediction to God. And what it does really, it is something that touches us in such a way that it makes our spirits and our minds totally exposed to whom God is, what he does, and then the privilege to join the apostle making these words, our words to God, and also in another great benediction. So we want to read in Ephesians 3 verses 20 to 21. I want to ask you to stand in honor of God's word, and let's just listen and read this together. Ephesians three twenty and 21, here's what it says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless his word. So what motivated Paul to come out with this incredible benediction? What had happened? What had he said? What had he experienced? Well, the first thing that we see in this particular text in verse 6 is a description of the mystery of Christ. Now, what is the mystery of Christ? Because Paul said, you know, for a long time, certain things have happened, but now the mystery of Christ has come. And he defines to us what this mystery is. He says the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 
Now, you see, what had happened was that for centuries and centuries, Israel had been chosen by God. Israel was the one that related to God, and that's what they understood. But Paul said, something has happened. Now, God has come and has revealed to all of us Gentiles that we can also come to have a relationship with him. And you're a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And so now, all of a sudden, a wonderful thing had happened. And that had just filled Paul. And Paul was explaining and preaching this all over the known world at that time. And that was the mystery of Christ. Now, there's something else that came before this particular benediction. And that is, Paul said in verse 10, that it was God's desire and intent that through the church, that's you and I, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, what is wisdom? Because, you see, God wanted his many-fold wisdom to be exposed. He wanted the rulers actually in heavenly places to see this. Now, that could mean angels. It could mean even demons. God wanted people to know his wisdom. Now, wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. You see, we have a tendency to see life down here. We see the problems. Many times we don't stop to think, wait a minute, how does God think about this? And if we just do that, and you've read your Bible, you know scripture, you would immediately see that God sees life from another point of view. And you'd be able to help people because it's his way of thinking. Now, God not only wants us to know his wisdom, he wants us to live his wisdom out in the world. Just in such a simple, simple way, if we lived an honest life, we're living the wisdom of God. Because you see, the world, most of it today, is very corrupt. And just that simple one fact. But you know, there are so many, many ways to live the wisdom of God out in the world. And God wanted them to do that and wanted us to live the wisdom of his wisdom. And why is that? So that the realms could see and go, wow, God's amazing. Because here he created this man, this woman, and they can actually live the way that he wants them to live. So Paul was all excited about the possibilities of us living this manifold wisdom of God. And then this benediction came after Paul tells us that God said we could approach him with freedom and confidence. Now let me ask you a question. How many gods out there in the world could say you can come and approach me with freedom and confidence? None. There is no God that can do that. There is no God that says that. But our God says you can come before me and we will dialogue. I'll talk to you, you talk to me. And you can do it in freedom. You can do it in confidence that I know you, that I'll hear you, that I'll answer you. And then this benediction comes after a prayer that you would be so wise to receive it for yourself. There are five requests. And Paul says, I pray that out of this, his glorious riches, that God might strengthen you with power in your spirit, that Christ may dwell in you through faith, that you would be rooted and established in love. And that you would grasp the incredible love of God that surpasses knowledge. And that you would be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now it would take weeks and months to talk about that. But I'll tell you, all of this together. Welled up in Paul in such a way 
that he quotes this incredible benediction now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now, based on these truths, here's the question. How is this benediction so life-changing for you and for me? Well, the first real answer here is that it sheds marvelous light on the God that you and I have. This benediction tells us what kind of God we have. Now notice, he says to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now ours is the God of the immeasurable. He is the God of the immeasurable. This word in the Greek, is a very difficult word to be translated and if you noticed, in, the, in our new international version, it says immeasurable. If you're reading the King James, they translate that word exceeding abundantly above. If you were reading the Message Bible, it would say that God is far more. It, it, he is the kind of God that can give us far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. It's an amazing word. But it... We're using the word immeasurable today because God is the God of the immeasurable. Now, we human beings, we are the God of the measurable. For example, I brought here a measuring tape. And Brian's going to take a hold of this. He's going to pull it here. I'm going to show you that we can measure something because from that place to right here, it is 12 feet. Now, if uh, we wanted to continue to measure, I could go down there and, you know, Brian could scoot back. We could measure another 12 feet. And we could keep doing this until, if we were in real good shape, we could get to the ocean, right? On the East Coast. Thank you. And, uh, and then if we could walk on water, then we could be uh, Eratosthenes' uh, disciples. He's the man that actually discovered uh, the circumference of our earth in 240 B.C. using trigonometry. If you ever wonder why you study trigonometry, now you know. And uh, if we kept measuring, we'd discover that uh, the circumference of the earth at the equator is 24,850 miles. But if uh, we wanted to go on and measure some more, and human beings can do that, we go to Mars. And if you want to measure Mars, it's uh, from 54 million to 389 million miles from here, depending on its position. But here's the bottom line. There comes a time when we human beings cannot measure anymore. I mean, we just can go so far. But God, our God, is the God of the immeasurable. You see, and that's why that's so important. Because the Bible says right here in this benediction that to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Now, our God, not only is the God of the immeasurable, he is the God of, that is able he is able to do what man cannot do. God can and is able and willing to do that which is immeasurable to conceive by the human mind. You see, regardless of how fertile your mind might be, how great it can think or even imagine, you need to understand that God is able to do far more than what you can think, what you can ask, or what you can imagine. Now, there are a lot of people, and you know many, many people in this world who are able to do some great things. For example, there's a fellow named Bill Gates. He's done well for himself. 
Uh, he founded the Microsoft company, which invented the Windows operating system. He invented the Internet Explorer. We know that communication today through the Internet continues to reach astronomical levels. It's all astounding. But here's the question. Can Bill Gates do for you more than you can ask or imagine? He cannot. He cannot. There's a fellow named Warren Buffett. He's done well for himself. And this American investor, businessman, and philanthropist, one of the most successful investors in history, uh, if he should say, buy this stock, uh, many people would listen and think, well, I'm going to do that because I'll, I'll become very, very rich. But can he do more for you than you ask or think? He cannot. No one can. You know, there's a fellow named Michael Jordan. He gave people a lot of happiness as he played basketball. He was incredible, perhaps the, the best player in the history of the game. And, and he became very rich. But can he do it? He cannot. You see... The only one that is truly able is God. None of these people could do the main thing, which is to bring life to the spirit and the heart of man. But God is able. In Norman, Oklahoma, years ago, my grandfather pastored the church there, First Baptist Church of Norman. And in those days of World War II, I don't know why, but in Norman, Oklahoma, there was a Navy base. I think they flew in there. But there was a sailor who came to church one day. And after it was over, he came up to the pastor, my grandfather. And he said, I want you to know something. I don't believe in a God who is mean, starts wars, and makes people suffer. And he just rambled on for a while. My grandfather listened to him. And then he said, you know what? I agree with you. I don't believe in that God either. He said, but if you'll come by my house this week, I'll tell you the God I believe in. So the young man did. And my grandfather would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and he'd pray from 5 to 7 every day. And then he'd write out his prayers. And on this side, he had the answers to his prayers. He had books like that. And so when the young man came to his house, he said, well, let me just tell you a little bit about the God I believe in. I prayed to him this morning, and here's the prayer. And um, I said this morning, I don't know if it was that morning, but he says, here's some prayers I've prayed. Here are the prayers, and right here's the answer. And so he began to flip the page, and here's another prayer I prayed, and here's the answer to this one. And he just went on and on, and eventually the fellow would say, well, I'll be. And then he'd flip another page. He said, well, I'll be. And that's all he did. He just showed him the prayers he prayed and the answers God gave. So he just came next week, and then the following week, and six weeks later, that young man prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. And all that he had seen was how God can change people and change lives and transform them because God is able. And that is the kind of God that we have. He is a God that is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think or imagine. And so, basically, what we need to ask ourselves today is this question. What are we asking God? What are we imagining from God? Now, let me ask you this. Are you asking him to help you walk in his ways? That's a good request. Are you asking him not to fall to Satan's temptations that are around you just about every day? Are you asking him for direction for your future? 
for your employment, how to train your children in the ways of God, perhaps for your retirement or your new location? Are you asking these questions? Are you asking God for healing for your family, for your friends, as you discern his his purpose in that illness? Are you asking God for protection for your family, perhaps for your grandchildren's babies in the womb that uh, haven't been born yet, perhaps for your children from predators and pedophiles that run loose in our society today? What are you asking God? Because remember, he is able to do immeasurably more than whatever you ask. Are you asking for wisdom to deal with people that would cause conflicts needlessly in your life? And then let me ask you this, what are you imagining? Because even tells us we can imagine things. Are you imagining, for example, a successful family being what God wants it to be, forgetting the past and living in the present? Are you perhaps imagining a church that you want to help grow called Tallowood, a place where we would see many more people here because you brought them? Are you perhaps imagining a city that seeks the ways of God according to his word? Are you perhaps imagining an America that would rediscover God at its center and stop yielding to Satan's obvious attempts at doing what he came to do, which is to kill, steal, and destroy? Have you received in your spirit God's ability to do immeasurably more than all you ask or think? It's there. That's who our God is. But you see, in this benediction, we understand how it can transform us because it tells us that God's power is at work in you and in me. That's an amazing thought, to think that the God Almighty, the creator of this universe, is working in us. But you see, it happens in every single person that gives his life to Christ. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, he begins to work in you and he immediately works life. New life is what he gives you. And right after that, he begins to work peace inside of you. We were talking about that in Sunday school today. And, you know, just this past week, a person came up to my son's desk there at his job and said to him, you know, I've noticed something about you that I don't understand. You seem to have peace just all the time. There just seems to be peace in you. What is it? Why is it that you have peace? That's a great question to be asked. He said, well, that's simple. I have Jesus Christ living in my life, and he gives me this peace. And this person, right after that, said to him, I have no peace. I'm always anxious. I'm always upset inside. There's always something going on that makes life so difficult for me. And from that conversation, they were able to get some time and and a break, and he explained to that person the good news of Jesus Christ. And how he could come into that life and give them peace. You see, God is at work in us, giving us peace. He works joy in the midst of pain, war, and sadness in our lives. He works in you love for your spouse, for your children, for one another. His power works to meet your desires, which were his desires that you put in your heart because you love him so much. He works in you to meet all the things you ask for and imagined according to his will. And he is always working in us to meet that which seems impossible to man, but is possible to God. 
So what we need to do is just to learn to receive what God is doing in our life and accept the fact that he's at work daily in us. Are you doing that? Then let me just say this and conclude. How does this benediction become life-transforming? Well, it does that by expressing who God is to my sphere of influence. Now, it is my turn. Because the Bible says here, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now, what is glory? You know, that's a word we use so much. But when you sing it, when you say it, when you think it, what does that really mean? Well, glory means to bestow great honor, praise, and renown on someone. So in a very simple way, how do we do that? How do we give glory to God? Well, I'm sure some of you watch Animal Planet, and you're amazed by what discoveries they've made in the ocean or on earth. You see animals, you see things that are just amazing. Where did that come from? Well, it came from God. And if you just say, God, you're amazing. When you travel, and many of you travel here in the States, around the world, and you just see the marvelous things that God does. When you say that, when you think that, you're saying, God, I want to give you glory. And then glory means to adore and give thanks as you worship. You know, as as you individually listen to the words you sing and so much of the time i think uh, many of us sing but when we're through we have no idea what we just got through singing Uh, we don't pay attention to the words in that hymnal and if you just got into the habit as you sing those words let them come to your mind i want to tell you something if you sing those words with understanding you are giving glory to God when you hear someone pray even if you just listen to them pray if you could visualize yourself there before God before his throne and you're just sort of a bystander but you're sitting there or standing there and listening to this person voice those words to God let me tell you something if if you can do that you're giving glory to God you're adoring him And then we give glory by recognizing his majestic beauty and splendor. Uh, You've heard that term, the sunset in a blaze of glory. And how we see these beautiful sunsets at times. And you know, if we could just express that, recognize that, that it's coming from God. You're giving glory to God. And that's what Paul wanted us to do. And then glory means to recognize amazing achievement. And God's incomparable achievement was to come to this earth in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater. There's nothing better. But God created us and saw that because of our sin, we separated ourselves from him. So he wanted to come and just allow us to unite with him again, to have fellowship, to come before him in freedom and confidence, and to have Christ in our hearts so that we can have eternal life and so that we can have abundant life here on this earth live in his wisdom, and do what he wants us to do. And I'll tell you, as we recognize that truth, we are glorifying God. And so, you, who have believed into Christ, his ultimate gift to mankind, and if you are living a lifestyle that demonstrates this fact, then as the church, you're going to be giving glory to God. 
And as you teach your children and your grandchildren the truths of God, you are allowing and you are making this go from generation to generation to generation until he comes back. And that is why Paul was so dramatically changed. And this just came out of his heart and exploded. And it ought to be our benediction to him today. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Perhaps you're here today and you need this relationship with Christ. You've heard about it. You've wanted it. You've never made it. Today is your opportunity. And in just a moment, we're going to sing. And when we sing, you could come and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you have wanted to join this church, be part of this fellowship. You've never made that decision, but you're close. Why not make that decision today and give glory to the Lord? Heavenly Father, I pray that even as we sing in just a moment, that your spirit will have total freedom to work and that your people will respond. And that all of us, Lord, will be willing to give a great benediction to you at all times. To live a life that understands what it means to really give benediction to God. In Jesus' name, amen.